Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. You know, we're going to dive right into it today. Auburn football and the quarterback situation, everything that's been transpiring over the last week or so. Special thanks to Bunton, Etheridge, and Fowler, attorneys at Wall. Uh, so thankful to have their sponsorship and be partners with them as well. And so, talking about Auburn football, everybody kind of knows the the ups and downs so far has been a little bit more down than ups at this point as we are getting ready for game number four home against Missouri. And, you know, I have a special guest on the show, like, he is a huge Auburn supporter. I mean, and I know there's people that are just like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Auburn supporter, and, you know, I know Auburn football, and I'm not saying you don't. But, man, this guy right here, when I think of Auburn football, and he, he keeps me in the loop on a lot of things that occur in, in the Auburn program. Uh, his name is Dreston Williams. He's the offensive line coach for the Hazel Green Football Trojans. And so, Dreston, man, welcome to the sweet spot, man. You've been on the show before. Glad to have you back on. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here, man. I appreciate, you know, another opportunity to do this again, man. You know, it's all good. Appreciate it, man. So, man, just give me your early thoughts. Like, there's only three games in, and it's a long way to go. Nobody knows how this is going to play out. I mean, the media, they've had their their predictions and their clowns and all that stuff, you know, uh, going into the year. But none of that matters. It matters what happened each Saturday. And so, thus far, we're 2-1. and one. Beat Mercer, beat San Jose State. Penn State game went nothing like anyone expected. So, man, just give me your thoughts so far at this point of the season. Um, you know, man, it's you know at this point it's kind of confusing. Like, you know, you know, you, the easy Mercer game you expect that to be easy. You expect San Jose, you know, to be a little bit better than Mercer, but still be an easy win. And, you know, Mercer, you know, it wasn't bad, but San Jose State, it was kind of a struggle in a way, but eventually, and after the, the delay, you know, it was a rainy game, so I can understand the conditions weren't, you know, conducive to, you know, how we probably probably want to play. But mm-hmm. it's like, at that point, you want to get your threes in, you want to get your twos in, like, you know, in the second half. That's one of those games you want to get your, you know, your your, your younger people on the field and let, you know, let them, let them get that game experience because, you know, it's three and four go, like, you know, game three, four, and five and all that, it gets tougher. And, you know, they might not see the field. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you want to get a chance, to, you know, for the fans to see them, you know, for them to get a little experience. But it didn't happen like that. And, you know, it just felt weird after, um, you know, after Mercer and after um San Jose State. Like, you didn't really get to see the the, the young guns, the Gariners, you know, you know, people like that. You know, a lot of full loaded Demario Austin, you know. Man, you know, Big Brown, um, you know, a lot of those players, you didn't get to see them. So it was like, what happened? So it's like, it just felt, it's, it feels weird right now. And, you know, we're trying to get understanding as fans, like, you know, what are we seeing? What's the finished product? Because you hear so much, you heard so much through fall camp and just, you know, through the summer of, you know, all these players working out, these videos posted by Calzada, like a lot of these things, it's like, dude, like we might have a great team this year. Everything just felt great. You felt the positivity. And then as each game that's going on, it's like, uh, what is this? What, what's going on right now? And I'm just, you know, I still support my boys. You know, I got a little frustrated Saturday, but who did at that point? Like, no one wanted to see um, Penn State put up 41 points, or mm-hmm. 40 points they scored. Like, no one expected that. We thought it'd be a rendition of last year with a little more grit. Like, it's at home. Like, who gets beat at home that big? So, yeah. like, of course it hurts. You don't expect us to be get beat by that many points at home. So, the frustration is there. But at this point, you know, move on. Let's go to Missouri. Let's, let's bounce back. You know, let's make something happen. And, you know, that's where I am now. 
and I'm, I'm in full support. You know, I'm here. So let's go. So, Dre, man, let me ask you this. I mean, everybody kind of, you know, Auburn fans and non-Auburn fans, if you watch the games, you kind of see where some of the weaknesses or deficiencies have been so far. But before we dive into that, because we could talk about that all day and it's been talked about forever, and we will get into that. But, man, tell me about what you've seen positive-wise as far as just the, some of the strengths. or Is there anything positive that you can take from the first three games that you believe uh, we can kind of shine a, 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 a brighter light amongst some of the, the darker times and darker moments we've had so far? Is there anything from a plus side that you can share? Well, I will say this. Of course, Tank Bigsby still makes big plays, regardless of what people think the O-line is. The run game can still produce. It's still there. We still bust these 8, 7, 15-yard runs. Like, even against Penn State, Jarquez Hunter makes, making, you know, making big runs. We got Robbie Asher making big runs. The run game is there. People think we can't run the ball. Oh, what are we going to do? We got to pass it. The, the rush is still there. Another thing, um, I don't want to put this. We do have receivers. Like, you know, they have not been utilized much, but we do have receivers. Javarius Johnson has been putting up plays. He has been making a big play. And we think we only use it for this one route, however. But, man, I, I really think, like, Camden Brown and players like that are about to start getting a shine. Like, something has to happen at this point. You got to start using the players that you have, whether they put in the work and practice, however he says it. Like, start using these players that are going to really make plays. We have those. We got Camden. We got Landon King. You know, we got a Maury Kelly players mm-hmm. like like Dezalen Wor- Worsham was on the field last week. Mm-hmm. Like these players are going to see the field, but you can't expect these players to get on the field or these packages to get on the field when we're playing from behind. We don't we're not sticking the script. You know, you know, coaches come to the game with at least a 15 play script and they work off that. Mm-hmm. And it's like they have these set of players they know or they see on film that will run. They can bust based on the deficiencies of the defense or based on the however it works out on each side of the ball. You you play according to the other team's deficiency. You see it's there. You know it's going to work. And a lot of those plays do work, but I know they don't stick to them. So that's another thing that I have against the team, but that's not a part of the positive. Another positive I got is, man, the defense is better than people think. Yeah. Like, they, like Jeff, Jeff Manning is a great coach, and he's going to have a great defense out there. The Keontae Scott, the um, DJ James, they're playmakers. A lot, I, I do. I will throw a negative in there. Our linebacker court right now, mm-hmm. like they're they're just. I mean, they're. I'm not gonna say undersized. They kind of are, but they they're just not prepared. Owen Papa only played four games, three games last year. So it's like, man, he tried to come back for that Bama game, and that was it. He could, still couldn't do it. So it's like, man, he's still shaking off the rust for one. And you know, Wesley Steiner, Cam Riley, like you know, it it takes time. It takes time, and I understand that. So. Those are that's probably one negative I could throw in there real quick. But other than that, I think we have um a pretty legit D line. No, we don't have a sack yet. We don't have an interception and all that. You know, I think it's gonna come this week. I think it's gonna come against Missouri. I think this team needed that loss, man. It's just one of them losses that these Auburn teams need. And, you know, it happens every other year. One of those good seasons where they, you know, they start to get the bad these sorry teams that get the wins. They play a legit team like an LSU or however. And, they lose that game, whether it be close or a blowout, and then boom, they bounce back, and they're on a six or seven game win streak. So it's like things can happen. Yeah, the quarterback situation is bad right now. So, but that's another story. We'll get to that. But yeah, as far as far as far as the positives go, like 
You know, like I said, we got good receivers. We're better than you think on offense, running ball. You know, we can do that. You know, like I said, just give us time. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. So, you know, you touched on a couple things that we were wondering about coming into the season. The linebacker play, of course. We never, we wasn't sure about that core coming into this season uh, for obvious reasons, for guys who are no longer there. Um, the receivers, we knew we had a lot of receivers, had plenty of talent. We just didn't know who would be that guy to step up. Who, I mean, tons of talent at receiver, like, and different body types too. You got different styles, which is what you yes, any receiver core uh, want, man. I mean, you know, Ike Hiller has to be loving that. Like, I got so many different styles of receivers. And you don't want the same. Everybody has speed. Everybody is six four. Like you want different types because you play exactly. with different packages and you have different positions. So we knew receiver was a question mark because we didn't know who would that be that got to step up. But to get the ball to the receivers, that's been the issue with the QB play. And you touched on it, and we've talked about this. I mean, everybody's talking about this every single day. If you're talking football, if you're talking Auburn, QB is the first thing that comes out your mouth. So, man, give me your thoughts on the QB play so far with Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley. I mean, they've combined for two passing touchdowns and six interceptions. Like, there's no way you've played Mercer, San Jose State, and Penn State, and you only have two passing touchdowns. Like, that cannot happen. So, man, man, give me your thoughts on what you've seen from them thus far. Man, I, <laughs> um, I, man, it's just crazy right now, dude. Um, I didn't really expect it to be a like a a true two person race here leading into Penn State and like even uh, even through Penn State, like they they had a. I mean, I can understand. Like, you you want to make sure that you know. You play the right guy, but you also want to make sure that, you know, who's putting in the work. I mean, this guy, he's good, too. I want to utilize him as well. But I feel like they're overutilizing the two. They're overdoing. They're overthinking the um, the scheme, man. And as far as quarterback play, dude, it's, um, it's hit or miss right now, dude, because TJ has great drives. Like, dude went 11 for 19 the other night before all that happened. Like, he was actually, you know, on the pace to, you know, having a pretty decent game. Who knows how it could have turned out, but. You know, there's just inconsistencies on both ends, man. And, you know, just a lot of busted plays. And you don't really know what could happen. Like, you know, just like a lot of – I don't know, man. I just – you know, it's so hard to really assess their play right now because you really haven't got a full dose of either one. Like, you haven't seen a full game from TJ for real, like seriously. Like, I mean, he played Mercer and San Jose State. But as far as real competition, we haven't seen a full game from either one. And it's like they're trying to utilize both. And it's like, I feel like they played their hand only too early on that. Like, they could have held that for Penn State. Like, they wanted to throw Robbie in to get them some experience. But the um, the Mercer game didn't finish like we expected. And San Jose State didn't either. So, he didn't get a full chance to, you know, work the second half or work, like, three or four drives consistently. Obviously, you know, with him being on the field by himself. Like, we didn't have not seen that from Robbie until last game. And that's only because TJ got hurt. So it was like, man, it's, it's just been weird, man. It's been a weird year with quarterbacks right now. And, I mean, I can't really say who is what yet. I really cannot say. I haven't seen a full game from either one to really say. But I will say, like, TJ is better than people are giving credit for passing. You know, he, he's gotten better with decision-making. He he actually tries to run now. He doesn't sit in the pocket and take hits anymore. Like, I don't know how many times he's been sacked this year, but – um. Like, he, he really tries to evade. He tries to get out the pocket. He tries to make better decisions. You know, things that have just happened. I mean, it's been, it's been one of the most un, unfortunate seasons for him. 
so man, so let me ask you this: like, I know you said he's he's gotten better as a decision maker, but but do you really believe that? Like, I mean, cause cause how I feel honestly, personally, after watching him last year, like, man, I feel like every time he drops back, it's gonna throw, it's gonna be a pick, and so. <laughs> When the very first game, the very first game, you know, he throws a pick, two picks against Mercer. Like, you can't throw picks against Mercer. Like, so, I mean, obviously not not saying that he hasn't improved in any area, but, but man, tell me what you've seen for you to say that he's gotten better as a decision maker on the field. Okay. Like, you know, like I was saying, man, he hasn't really, um, you know, he hasn't really t- just set, stayed in the pocket. And, like, he, he, yeah. like last year, he was a statue. Even at, you know, LSU, the one game he played against us, he was a statue in the pocket. He didn't run. He didn't move. He took those hits. Mm-hmm. You know, the sack fumble and all I mean, the fumble and the recovery from by, by Tut and all that. Like, he stood in that pocket. And, he, all, I mean, he tried to go through his progressions, but he was taking hits still. You know, there's a lot of things that he's doing. He's not doing that now. Yeah, he's actually true. trying to scramble. He's actually trying to, to get those, those yards, you know, trying to work on, you know, trying to extend the play, find something. But, you know, he's just not that nimble. And the offense isn't really giving them, you know, they're not really the offensive line. They're to give him a whole lot of time to make those decisions, man. But I, I really feel like, you know, he's, I, I say these inconsistent. They both are at this point. Like, you know, with all the interceptions and stuff like that, like we haven't really seen a whole lot from them. But I do feel like from last year to this year, he's made a transition as far as, you know, trying to really, you know, go through his progress. I'm trying to I'm trying to watch. I'm trying, I'm not eye on one receiver. I'm not just trying to throw a, a 100 mile an hour throw to a slant route and hope he catches it. Like he's done a lot. He's trying to put more touch on the ball. He's done a lot of things different this year. But, you know, of course, yeah, you throw in all the interceptions and all that. Like, yeah, it does make sense. Like, yeah, we, we got an issue on this thing. Like, Something's not right. Something just isn't right. But, you know, I mean, Robbie's thrown his picks too, but he mm-hmm. also hasn't had a full opportunity yeah. to, you know, work this offense. So we don't know what we're going to get from him. But he does not put much touch on the ball. That I will say. Yeah. He, he, has, he, not, he has to. <laughs> Baseball is still there for him. So it's like, man, what do, it's like, are you, do you, at this point, with got, you know, do we throw in Gary? Like, what do you do now? Like, yeah. something just has to happen at this point. We need a spark. And, and and Robbie can bring that. He can run. But it's like, man, can he consistently throw the ball down? Can he get us down the field without having to use his legs, without being exhausted by the third quarter? And it's like, you know, we need more now. Like, we, we, we need it. Like, this is the time. And it's like, who are you really going to put out there? Who's going to be successful? Who are you going to run in this offense? So, it's you know, it's do or die at this point now. So, man, you mentioned Ashford. You gave us a take on that. You mentioned Garner, uh, holding Garner, a freshman uh, who has had high praise from Coach Harson, and for at least for the next few weeks, it's just going to be those two. And we'll share more about those two quarterbacks and dive into some interesting comments from T.J. Finley's dad as well. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of the Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. 
I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by my guy, Dreston Williams, offensive line coach for the Hazel Green Football Trojans. And, you know... He mentioned Ashford holding Garner's name before the break. We'll talk about them here a little bit later in the segment. But, you know, there's been too much drama around this program, which has been unnecessary. It's been slander. It's just been, just been blasphemous. It's been, it's been horrible just to see some of the outsiders and just naysayers and even some of the Auburn fans, how they've kind of glued to some of this drama and mess that's taken part of it. But, uh, you know, I had a little bit more today a little bit more fuel on the fire on the Locked on Auburn podcast with Zach Blackerby. He had T.J. Finley's dad, D. Finley, on the show. And, you know, D. started out kind of calm and chill. I was like, okay, it's going to be a pretty solid interview. You know, you never know with parents. You just never know when they get a mic in front and they're talking about their kid. And, you know, we already know how coaches' kids and parents are with coaches and all that whole you know, dynamic. And so he started out calm and chill, and he kind of took some shots, you know, at, at Robbie Ashford, kind of took some shots at the play calling. And, and the more I listened to it, I just got more and more frustrated dressed. And, I mean, it really was. It was it was something that I'm like, man, come on. Why now? Like, come on, dude. So, I mean, what was your thoughts when you heard D. Finley and how, you know, he addressed some of the, the situations and things that have taken place at Auburn, you know, in these last few weeks? I mean, what, what were your thoughts when you heard him speak on the current state of the program? Man, honestly, I was disappointed, dude. And I was even disappointed before I even heard the audio itself. Just seeing, like, post on Twitter and on three, like, you know, you know, T.J. Finney's dad speaks out on locked on i'm just like man this cannot be good and man just just know just seeing man just reading the transcripts first so man i was just like dude this it like why why like you said why now like you you know like as a writer or as a um, reporter or as an analyst or whatever you want to call these people media the media like like i don't i don't know what to call these people but man they um they're causing a lot of drama that shouldn't be caused right now. They know what they're doing because you do not have to post this. You don't have to air this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. You know what's going to happen, what's going to come behind this. And it's like to do that. And it's like, man, you know exactly what you're trying to do. Like, this is like an agenda. This is a, a um, like a hit job, man. It's like, dude, give this to this. This is this guy's second year. And within his first year, he has to answer to all these questions about things that never happened. All because one person wanted to drag out a story that shouldn't have even been touched. Like, of course, yeah, you hear something, you say something. No, it don't always work like that when it comes to this type of stuff. Like, you don't have to put that out in the media. So it's like, man, I don't know, dude. It's like, man, this whole situation, just what he said, like, where, where he took it. Like, like you said, it started off so calm. Like, okay, he's just gonna, you know, he's gonna, you know, add a few, a little frustration with, you know, just speak his piece. It's cool. But he took it to a point where it was like, man, you can upset parents, players, coaches. Like, this can cause a rift. And it's like, your son is the starting quarterback. And 
you're on live air on a, a you know a pretty prominent um um podcast on on YouTube, and it's like, do you know this is gonna get aired? Like, why are you doing this? And it just it, it makes sense. Like, you see why, and it's like it's just sad, man. Like, it, I was I was freaking disappointed, dude. Like, you, you don't do that as a parent. You can't do that. Let me ask you this, Dre. What exactly? Uh, kind of going to specifics of some of the comments that D Finley, TJ Finley's dad that stood out to you and that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. And, and you can also on the flip side, you know, maybe, okay, he said this and he, he, you know, he had a point there, you know, you can kind of touch on both sides. What, but what stood out to you in his comments about the whole quarterback situation and play calling and all that? Okay. Okay. So I, I, I did paint a negative light on the whole, on the whole conversation first to starting off. So let me put this, well, I throw some positives out there. He was, he was right about, you know, as far as the in and out of the quarterbacks, like, you know, if the, if, if this guy is the number one, let him be number one. Let him prove that until otherwise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the in and out of the quarterbacks, yes, that is an issue. The play calling on the goal line, the play calling in red zone, the play calling in general, it's just sporadic. And it seems like it's just a lot of random play calls. Yeah, I, that does make sense. So I, I can give him that. So things uh, just look a little iffy. But you don't, like, the, the negatives now, you don't mention, or he didn't mention, he he beat around the bush about it, but you don't, you know, try to be condescending and be like, yeah, I'm not going to say any players' names or any numbers, but it didn't mention what you say, and people are, are going to catch on, like, oh, he's talking about Robbie. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't do that. You don't, you don't talk about anybody's kids, for one, but you don't talk about this team in general being the dad of the starting quarterback. Like you, you're doing this, and it seems like you knew what you were doing because you said you came with notes and all this. So it was like, dude, you came prepared to sabotage. You knew what this was, and it's like, dude, people that were already against your son by his play from last year to this year, and then you do this. Well, how do you think they're gonna treat your son? And it's like that's not good. And it's like whether it's on social media, however you feel like it might be unwarranted, but you really just added more fuel to the fire. Like, this team just lost by 30-some points, and then you go and do this. It's like, man, you can't do that. You can't talk about anybody's kids. You can't go talking about the game plan that you're not even a part of. You're not there to see what they do to game plan against each team, but yet you're speaking on it. And yet you might have been right about a lot of these things, but you just don't do that. That's just a bad look. And it's like you don't see – you really. well, I haven't seen any videos of player parents speak out about coach on like on on this podcast or like you don't really see that we don't hear that and this is the first time this has ever happened to, to my knowledge in Auburn so it's like dude what are you doing mm-hmm. like your son chose to come here and now you're making an issue on live air about a situation that needs to be behind closed doors and you mentioned you mentioned uh off air how the host Zach Blackerby it, he didn't even set up the interview with T, with D Finley. It was Finley who reached out to him. Exactly. So it's like you didn't have to say yes. You could have, or you even if you wanted to do that show, you could have held. Knowing what just happened, you could have held that back until the end of the season if you really wanted to put that out, or you didn't have to at all if you wanted to be a good noble individual. You didn't have to put that out. You didn't have to go that far, but he did. He chose to do that, and now that's like like. A lot of these talking heads and a lot of these people on these message boards and all these sites, like these mods, like some of them are cool. The Keith Niebers, the Jay Lees, they're awesome. I like those guys. The Cole Pinkstons, like they're cool. 
But then you got, you know, a lot of the Nate Kings, you got a lot of these guys and all these Hocusons. Like, they're just like, you, you try to talk everybody up. You try to speak positivity to set everybody up of things like this. And then you're you're so quick to throw this out there. And it's like, man, just like, do you have to throw that? Do you have to cover that? Do you have to do that? Like, really? Or do you choose to do it because you know it's going to get the clicks, it's going to get the likes, it's going to get all the attention you need, and you're going to be online all day just, you know, adding more gas to the fire. And it's like, man, this is it's just so sad right now. It's like, dude, Auburn don't deserve this. It's like, real fans, real people who want to see this team succeed don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just sad. It sucks, man. And, you know, I might not be an alumni of that school, but I've been to that. I've been to I've been to, to freaking camps down there. I've been to games down there. I visited you, just walked the campus, been around the stadium. I'm like, dude, it gets no better than Auburn. But you take that effect away when you do things like this. So it, it sucks, man. You know, it sucks, dude. It, it doesn't make sense right now. It really doesn't. And just for him to go on live air and say these things about these players or about this team and just questioning the defense, the offense, just questioning all these play calls, like, that's not your role. And if you're going to do that, do it over the phone. Don't do it online. You didn't mm. have to be recorded. Mm. So you knew what that was about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, and, and you know, you know, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Um, talking about D Finley, TJ Finley's dad. But, you know, the the part that got me at the beginning was when he was talking about how he's like, I'm just a dad, you know, I don't me and two don't even talk about that kind of stuff. Like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> you got you got I know six year old kids that's playing travel baseball right now. You telling me on the drive home from hour, hour and a half, whatever they just played at that ain't their dad or mom not talking about like this stuff is intense, man. Like I've I have not seen anything like travel ball and and at this young age and how intense and serious it is and 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 it it's it's driven from the parents you know so you telling me this guy here who also mentioned D Finley who mentioned in the podcast that you know man all these guys are trying to get to the NFL they have dreams they have goals you're not talking about the game and practices and scrimmages and the ins and outs of what's happening in the program with your son. So, you know, that's something yeah. that just like, okay, dude, the more he spoke, the more pissed off I got. And, uh, <laughs> that's why you can't let everybody get a mic. Like, like LeVar Ball, you know, LeVar Ball, people tired of him and his sons and him talking about his sons. Like that's, that's what parents do. That's why you can't let parents get in front of mics and them yeah, say exactly. whatever. But cause parents are going to be parents at the end of the day, they're going to be parents. Especially with the sun under fire, man. Like, it makes sense. I see what you're saying. Man, so, yeah, man. Definitely can kick rocks, in my opinion. But, uh, man. <laughs> but, man, you know, uh, some other news came out. Zach Calzada is going to be taking him, or he's looking to apply for a medical red shirt. He's going to take, uh, have a second surgery on his non throwing shoulder. And you knew something was, wasn't right for him not to be playing, especially in that Penn State game when TJ did get hurt. I thought, okay, Zach at some point is going to get some reps out there, you know. So, uh, you know, he's going to look for that medical red shirt, have a second surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. So you know it's really bad if he didn't play and it's on his non-throwing shoulder. So, uh, you know, we wish Cal's out of the best for sure. But now it's it's Ashford and Garner, like I mentioned, Holden Garner, true freshman. I mean, this is a guy who Coach Harson has said is the best thrower he's ever coached. Like, that's some serious praise. 
You know, yeah, that's some definitely. serious praise, man. So, uh, man, give me your give me your thoughts. On, you kind of talked about Asher, but give me your thoughts on Garner and and do you think you'll see him play in this Missouri game this weekend? Man, shoot! If you want to get an arm talent out there, you need to put Garner on the field. Like, um, I just you know it's different in game. You know, he might be great in practice, but a lot of players are. Apparently, Bo Nix was too. Like in game, it's just a little different. <laughs> so I, I hope that's just not. Um, I hope that's not what the um situation is with Garner. I mean, I mean, I think I think Garner is a talented guy, man. I think he's really going to be a lot better than you know we would think he a true freshman should be. So if he gets that opportunity, dude, man, just let him spin it, let him do his thing, mm-hmm. let him let him play. You know, put him put him in position because I feel like his 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 game type, the way he plays, it's like his throwing everything about him. Fits what Harson wants from a quarterback. It was like, dude, like use this guy, use him. I don't. I, I would hope to goodness gracious this guy does not go with Sawyer Payton or um, you know, man. Oh, I can't think of the young kid's name. Sawyer Payton, um, the kid from Fife. But yeah, man. Um, who knows, dude? I really don't know. I really hope that he utilizes Garner to this to his fullest potential. And, you know, that's all I can really hope for. I don't know, you know, we can get the butterflies and get the, you know, hmm. get to get ourselves up for this moment. And he might not even use Garner. He might only play Ashford. We don't know. We really don't know. So I'm not trying to get my hopes up about anything, but I do hope to see the holding Garner touch that field. I do. I think he really should use that man. Let him use his arm talent. Let him play. You said it's the best passing talent you coached. Show us how. Show us why you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this and 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 this is gonna be. Uh, you know, Garner is is Harson's guy. So, you know, you look at a new coach and they're just given players. Like we gotta have a roster. You know, I mean, I, man, I, I used to work with a company, and over the last couple of years, it hasn't been the same as far as the staff and and the employers. Like it's not uh, the employees. Like it's just not the same quality. But you gotta have a staff. You gotta have. You gotta have people. You know what I'm saying? At, at, at the in your business or whatever it is, you need people. Uh, to, you gotta fill a roster. So you know, Harson walks into a situation, uh, not the best situation when it comes to uh, the talent that's that he receives. And you know, when you look at quarterbacks, okay, who's your guy? Like Astros a transfer, Calzada's a transfer, Finley was there before you. Uh, so Garner is his guy. So you always you're that's why I'm always talking about give give coaches time to get their guys in that fit exactly. their system, right? So with that being said, Dresden, man, you played at UNA, you played at University of West Alabama, and you know, Coach Hall's there, he leaves, goes to West Georgia. Here comes in Coach Gillen. So, man, tell me about that that transition. Kind of give, uh, you know, talk about why people should chill and give hearts and time and kind of what you experienced when you went through that transition from one coach to the next and how much that, uh, that, that is different, you know, how much it just changes what you've been doing and how it just – you've got to be patient with those type of situations. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth, man, and people don't even know this part, man. This is just cold hard facts, dude. The players are usually the problem when it comes to that transition and why some teams just don't click, man, because immediately off the bat, man, when Coach G came in, like, even we'll just even go back to when Coach Hall left, like, people like, man, you know, the transfer rule wasn't there. Like, the transfer portal wasn't there at this time. This was 2013. So the transfer portal wasn't there. So if you were going to transfer to another school in Division Two, you wanted to sit out a year. You transfer up, you sit out a year. You wanted to transfer down to Division Three or NAIA, in order to get some playing time, in order to start right away. So, you know, 
a lot of players weren't like talking transferring, but a lot of players like, man, I'm a, I'm going with Coach Hall, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm I'm just gonna quit. You know, whatever, blah, blah blah. Like the players are the most negative. Like those the players who are going to be canceled for that next coach, they start their stuff. Then you will hear a lot of that immediately, and it's like, man, the the transition is tough because you got to go through that every day. Even like the players that talk mess, they're still around there. And you go through workouts, they're complaining at workouts, they're complaining in class about this coach. I oh, mean, this coach, this, this coach, man, I don't like this dude, man. I miss my old coach. I need the old mm-hmm. man. I'm, I, I play for this dude. Like, that stuff happens. People don't know that. But the negativity usually starts with the players first. But at the bigger schools, like, you got the fan bases that make, they juice it up with social media and all that. Yeah. It just makes it 10 times worse. It just amps it up. And these players on Instagram, they post all these cryptic tweets. You don't know what this person, people start speculating. This rumor gets out. You just don't know. So, like, man, it's just so it's just so different now. And just the transition, man, it, it, it's tough. Like, it really is because you're so used to this terminology. You're so used to this way of working out, the way practice is conducted. You know, we, we were, like, I'll put it to you this way, man. Coach Hall wasn't strict. He he treated us like NFL players, and he'll tell you that. I, I'm going to treat you like me. I'm going to treat you like a grown man. You do your thing. You make your choices. You show up for practice. You show up for weights. You show up for meetings. You do your thing on the field. That's all I care about. Keep your grades up. Cool. But I, I, I'm trying to produce NFL players here. Coach Hall, I mean, Coach Gilliland came in. He he brought the Christian mindset. He is a um, – he graduated from West Alabama. He played quarterback in mm-hmm. West Alabama. So he was a West Alabama guy. He knew what Livingston was, and he made sure he stuck to those roots. So, man, he he came from Georgia Southern. He brought the wing T. We went from a spread a spread option offense to wing T. Wing T with a mix of spread option. And, you know, it was just, man, it was, a, it was, it was rough. The way they conducted workouts, you know, we did a, like we did something called water to bamboo, dude. It was just some kind of workout. Like it was a, a circuit at eight o'clock at night. We was on the field in the freaking blistering cold running this circuit, man. And, you know, things like that, like it's different. So we lost a lot of players from spring into that next season. A lot of our best players that we thought were going to help us for that next fall, like we lost some players. So it was like, man, it, it's tough, dude. Like that transition is not easy. And people think like, oh man, you know, he's been here for a year. He should be good. Like, man, no. Those attitudes and those certain players are still there. That mindset is still there. Whether you try to implement it over time, it's still in that system. You just gotta work those kinks out. Yeah. And some players, some players, they they jump on board and a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. And yeah. like I said, with a bigger school at Auburn, Alabama, like it's just amped up. It's different, man. They I know it works. I know it's worse and I know it sucks. But like I said, the fans just give these give these coaches time, man. It's not easy. It's not easy. Man, dude. Uh, you know, like you said, man, you know, when the whole exodus and like, man, this this coach leave and these players are leaving, and it's like everybody leaves from every school now. Like you said, the transfer portal wasn't existent in existence then, but like now, like, man, these guys leave at the drop of a hat, and especially, you know, new coach, like you said, it's always somebody pushing against because like you said, I don't like this coach. I don't like how we do this and blah, blah, blah. You know, you mentioned like it takes a full year just to get it adjusted to the new coaching staff style and what they do and get a feel. And, you know, so, yeah, man, I'm I'm so against this whole, you know, 
two and done and all this crazy stuff. Like, I mean, I heard people, you know, ask me, like, uh, my guy Chris Harper, man, like, it's my dude, but he was like, man, so who, who's, who's Auburn's next head coach? And I'm like, man, I just, I just, I just ignored him. I'm like, man, I'm not hearing that. I'm not participating in none of that. Like, I'm not, man. That's just not, that's just not how it should be. And so, uh, I'm a Harson guy, man, through and through. Yes, and, 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 you know, I was a Chizik guy too. Like people know me that they man, that was my dude. And so, uh, just man, people. So this world is such a microwave generation. They got to have results now. Any, mm-hmm. and, but but you know, Chris also said this the other day. He said, you know, it, it's never like all high and all low. That's how people think. It's either all high or it's like all low. He's like, and the truth is really in the middle. It's really somewhere in the middle. And so, man, people just got to chill, dude. Like. It's a process, man. Everything's a process. Everything in life is a process, man. I remember my Pastor Creighton, uh, uh, Pastor Darius Creighton, man, back in the day, talking about from A to Z, and it was like, you know, everybody knows what Z is, the end product is. Everybody knows what that is. But he's like, the rest of those alphabet and those letters are there for, for a reason. You know, like, you got to go through those steps to get to Z, man. And so, mm-hmm. man, quick. Quit comparing yourself to Bama. Quit worrying about what Saban doing. Quit worrying about what Georgia and Smart and them. Man, I don't care about none of them. They riding it high right now. But look, we we're Auburn. This is this is who we are, and 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 you know it's a transitional period. And so uh, you either own or you're not. And so look, if you're not on Harson, then <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I yeah, totally don't yeah. get it. Like man, look, quit quit. You said the media. You said it perfectly. Social media and all the pundits and all these people. Uh, people read that stuff and and it's like poison, but that, that rat poison that that Nick Saban talk about all the time, and that's what people do. They don't even have their own opinions anymore. They just let whatever whoever uh, mm-hmm. Nathan King and ESPN and all these other people they just read and hear what they say and they roll with it. So screw you if you ain't on Auburn, if you ain't you War Eagle all the way, War Damn. That's what we do. So dress yes, man, sir. dude. I appreciate yes, you swinging through the sweet spot, man. I know you've been on before. It's been a while since I've had you back on, but uh, like I said, man, uh, congratulations on your your new position as offensive line coach for the Hazel Green Football Trojans. I know y'all on the bye this week, man. Rest up, and uh, we wish you the best the rest of the way, dude. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate the love, the shout out, man. It's awesome, dude. Just keep doing you. God bless you, man. I love you, dude. Love you too, man. War Eagle, baby. War Eagle. War Eagle.